Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Certainly the thing I'm most excited for in the upcoming months, as of right now, besides, you know, golfing as much as possible, Incubus, Cal House Amphitheater, late July. It's going to be on the tail end of three days of golf that I'm playing uh, in a tournament as well. So it's going to be a uh, unbelievable run. Welcome back to On Is Now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Coulter Nuana is coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting Company, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years and happy to say so. You missed anything in the first hour of the show, the Montana Football Hour. All sorts of impressions from Montana's spring football game on Friday night. Heard from Bobby Houck, the head coach of the Grizz. Levi Janikiro, a senior linebacker out of Missoula Big Sky. Aaron Fonts, a junior wide receiver out of Oxnard, California. And Keelan White, a junior wide receiver uh, out of British Columbia. We also talked a little bit about the details of Danny Sprinkle's contract at Utah State. All of it can be found on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. Also presented by the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. No better place to get uh, your maroon and silver, any of your Grizz gear. They also have an Apple Store in there now. Uh, relatively new location. Been there uh, about probably about a year. Downtown Missoula, the corner of Broadway and Higgins. Go check out the M Store. And the Nuanas Now podcast presented by the Montana State Bookstore. We will next be in Bozeman in two weekends for the Sunny Holland Spring Game. Going to be coming to you from a new locale. Excited about this. Uh, first of all, our great friends at Town Pump are going to send us on the road to go cover the Grizz Spring Game. Uh, Grizz, or excuse me, the Bobcat Spring Game. Bobcat Spring Game is on April 22nd, which is a Saturday. But we'll do the show on uh, Friday, April 21st, live from Sky Shed, which is a uh, bar slash restaurant that's within the Armory Hotel in downtown Bozeman. So appreciate uh, making a new friend, having a new partner here uh, at Nuanas Now. 
Uh, so that's coming up as well. Uh, but the Nuanas Now podcast also presented by the Montana State Bookstore, your best place to get blue and gold on game day or any day when you are on the MSU campus in Bozeman. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, coming up here in about, I don't know, 10 minutes. The uh, other news uh, of the weekend, though, the Grizz lacrosse team played uh, three matches, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and uh, they should easily hold in the uh, top five or six in the country in the polls. Basically scored as exhibitions their matches against Carroll, Carroll College and Gonzaga, but they also posted a 14 to five win over number 11 Utah State. So the Grizz now 13 and two. They have played significantly more games than almost anybody, actually anybody in the country and anybody in the top 25 poll, and uh, they certainly will um, remain in the top 10. They were sixth last week. Uh, no losses ahead of them uh, in the poll. But as always, you can find Grizzly Cross live on the ESPN MT app or archived on the ESPN MT app as well. Great job uh, by Jeff Safford, the uh, voice of Grizzly Cross and a voice of a variety of things here uh, at ESPN MT. And uh, Grizz, keep on rolling. I'm sure a great many of you spent your Easter Sunday watching uh, one of the iconic tournaments in golf. It was a great Masters. It was filled with intrigue for a variety of different reasons. It was in the high 80s and clear and sunny and humid and hot on Thursday. And everybody, well, not everybody, but a great many golfers were just going so low. Victor Hovland shot a 65. John Rahm shot a 65. Brooks Kepka shot a 65. And a whole bunch of other rounds uh, in the mid-60s. And then on Friday... Similar deal, and Brooks Kepka shoots a 67 to go into the weekend at 12 under. He moves to 13 under, but then the skies open up. It starts pouring rain. Trees start falling all over the place. The elements really derailed it. There was delays both Friday and Saturday. They didn't end up finishing the third round until Sunday. Uh, and then the, uh, the main groups then had to tee off for their fourth round later on on Sunday afternoon. And uh, when the dust settled... You had several guys that made late charges to get into the, the top five, including Phil Mickelson, which almost came out of nowhere. Jordan Spieth uh, also shot a final round 66 uh, to finish at 7-under, which was a tie for fourth. Patrick Reed was at 68 on Sunday uh, to tie for fourth. And uh, Cameron Young, he got himself into the top ten as well at the 68 on Sunday. But the story of the day was twofold. One, Brooks Kepka falling apart, shooting a 75 uh, after a third round 73. So he goes from uh, leading this tournament by half a dozen strokes to then not uh, winning and, in fact, finishing in a tie for second. And then John Rahm closing the deal, a 69 on Sunday uh, to earn his first Masters title. And Rahm's been a guy that's flirted with the the top ranking, the, the number one player in the world. He certainly has great talent, even though he has a little bit of an unorthodox swing. He doesn't have a full, it's funny, he doesn't have a complete backswing, but he comes through the ball so impressively, and he's so strong, and just unbelievable ball striking skills. But he's flirted with it before, but now his first Masters, and that's his second major overall, 
and uh, maybe Rom now can have a, a chance to to rule over the sport. But it was a fun Masters to watch, and I can't wait to get into it a little bit more with our good friend Riley Corcoran. Riley's coming up here in about 10 minutes, but I wanted to let Andrew have a chance to, to talk about a couple of these things because uh kind of blew through the, the first hour with all the interviews that we had to share for you coming out of the Grizz spring game. So first, Andrew, uh, you were behind the glass on the board Friday, but we were down at Washington Grizzly Stadium, so not much of a chance for you to chime in. Your reaction to Danny Sprinkle to Utah State, that's sort of the news of the weekend here in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, well, we talked about the potential repercussions uh, going into this move. We haven't had a chance to talk about it since then, obviously, but I think that, I mean, from what it sounds like, and you talked about the contract a little bit at the end of the first hour, it sounds like Danny Sprinkle, well, it sounds like Danny Sprinkle was perfectly willing to remain at Montana State. That's right. If Utah State had not you know, giving him the contract that they did and the security of a five-year guaranteed contract. So certainly, I guess if you're Montana State, you look at it and you say, we did all we could. This guy still wanted to be here. It's just that you cannot compete on that level, right? He got like a four times raise. Right. Uh, And it's just what that means for the conference, not a bunch of anything good, but it's just that is your place in the world right now. There is no... There's no raise that they could have given him that would have made a difference, you know? For sure. I mean, because of of the way the university system works, because of the Board of Regents, because of so many different factors, and just because of the the pure economics of it all, you you could never offer a coach a base salary of of more than maybe quarter of a million dollars of Montana State. And, you know, that's about one quarter of what he's getting at Utah State. It's such a, a sort of an indicative advertisement for why you do move up if you ever have the opportunity if you're a big sky school simply because Utah State has been able to sort of keep pace in the wide world of college basketball when they hired Craig Smith from South Dakota less than five years ago they're paying him six hundred thousand dollars now they have three hundred extra thousand dollars to pay Danny Sprinkle so much of that stems from being in the Mountain West and having TV money and revenue coming in from other sources other than just ticket sales yeah and of course the the Mountain West continuing to climb they're gonna get a lot of money from San Diego State's run to the national title game because uh, that money gets shared out through all the teams in the conference but as far as Danny Sprinkle goes I think it was it's a great move for him it's a great spot for him. I mean, that's a team that's going to expect to be in the NCAA tournament every year. But, I mean, you should be in the NCAA tournament every year, and you're going to have chances to win games in the NCAA tournament, and it just sort of removes the randomness of it all. I mean, one bad game in the conference tournament for Montana State, you're out. Try again next year. For Utah State, I mean, you could still get a 10 seed if you lose in the conference tournament. For sure. I mean, if you just maintain the program as one of the four best programs in the Mountain West, then... Two out of every three years, you're going to be going to the NCAA tournament, and you're going to be rolling right along. And it, it is. It's a lot less of, of a opportunity for error. Like look at Eastern Washington. They won 25-something games this year, went 16-2 and two in Big Sky Conference play. They went one and done in the conference tournament, and they're playing the NIT. Yeah, and there's also upside there at Utah State because you can, sure. you're, you're going to be – you have – uh, foils in that conference. You have rivals in that conference. Yes. San Diego State, Boise State that are going to continue to push the conference forward. But there's upside there for Utah State because if you're the top team in the Mountain West as the Mountain West is sort of entering this new era of maybe being a, a very good basketball conference, 
there's a lot of potential there. And, and that's still up in the air. I mean, San Diego State made a great run at it this year. But it's not out of the question that Danny Sprinkle could, you know, take Utah State to the top of that conference right as that conference is emerging. Well, and that conference could continue to get better, too, because Wyoming was sort of one of the powers in the conference until this year. They took a step back. But they've had some borderline, if not bona fide, NBA players in recent years. Wyoming has a great home court advantage. They've been in the top 25 several times over the last couple years. And uh, you also have to always think that Fresno State is a school that could be coming if they ever hired the right guy as a head coach because that's such a fertile uh, recruiting ground as well. We'll come back to this because we're going to share some of Danny Sprinkle's press conference from today later on in the week. Andrew Houghton joining me, Coulter Nuanas here on Nuanas Now. Uh, last thing for you, Andrew, before then we uh, we get Riley on the horn. I know that you. it was tough because you were producing the show until 6 and, uh, you know, then you got your post-show duties, which take about an hour. So you were texting me like seven saying, hey, where are they at in the spring game? I said, eh, it's like five minutes left. Don't even worry about coming down here. It's running clock. It's going to be over. Uh, but any thoughts or, or takeaways or questions that, that you had uh, about Montana's uh, spring football game last week? Well, I think the big story, of course, is going to be the quarterbacks and it's going to be Sam Vidlak. What I wanted to ask you, Coulter, is what was he like off the field? What was he like on the sideline? Uh, because as a quarterback, there's always that second element of the job, which is that yeah. you you got to be the leader, right? Everybody's got to be looking to you in the huddle. Mm-hmm. What did you think of, of that element of his game? Yeah, it was interesting because I, I honestly didn't follow it as much as I probably should have, only because the maroon sideline was the opposite sideline of where I was at. But I, I the, the vast majority of what I watched Sam Vidlak do when he wasn't under center was where Brett Pease was like all over the place, and I was most concentrated on Pease because sometimes he was calling the plays from behind the line. Sometimes he was on the sidelines. I don't know what his style is going to be. Sometimes, you know, maybe he's up in the box. I don't know. So um, I was kind of looking at that. Um, It's very interesting, though, because the the most standout in terms of the, the quarterbacks when they weren't under center was Chris Brown, actually. Brown has has certainly had his trials and tribulations at Montana. I mean, when he was thrust in as as the starter in place of Lucas Johnson, when Lucas Johnson got knocked out of Sac State, uh, Chris Brown was non-functional. He did not look good. It it was very reminiscent of of the uh, the lack of ability to rise to the occasion against James Madison in the playoffs the year before. And then I thought the Grizz were at absolute rock bottom offensively against Weber State last year. They got a, they had 114 yards of total offense. They had one first down in the second half. I mean, it, was, it was astounding, right? But Brown has fought through it. That's what Bobby Houck wants is his quarterback to be able to to conquer the mental adversity. And it is easy to forget that Chris Brown, he he was a senior at Bozeman High School like 100 years ago. Yet he still only is a junior. He still has two years of eligibility remaining, even though he's been in college for quite some time. There have been good to great Grizz quarterbacks that struggled when they were freshmen and sophomores that then turned the corner. I'm not ready to say that Chris Brown's fully turned the corner, but he did look a lot more mature in his not under center stuff. And he also just looked a lot more confident. A part of that was he was operating behind a much better offensive line than any of the other quarterbacks besides Vidlak had the opportunity to operate under. I also think, though, this offense is really going to do a good job of getting playmakers in space, and that might help Chris Brown quite a bit as well. And you also have to think that maybe there's an improvement or even just some fresh air in the quarterback's room with Brett Pease as not only the OC, but as the quarterback's coach. 
uh, as well. So that, that's a that's a, a question that shall be continued to be answered uh, as we're moving forward. We're taking an early break here on your Monday on Nuanas Now. Because our good friend Riley Corcoran is going to join us, the voice of the Grizz, to talk Masters, Grizz Spring Football, Josh Bannon to the Brisbane Bullets, and Danny Sprinkle to Utah State. All of that next with the voice of the Grizz. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I always repeat myself. I always say that the two bands I want to come here are Queens of the Stone Age and Rise Against. But I'm going to keep saying it. Hopefully Logjam listens. Or anybody, Live Nation. Bring bring me some Rise Against. Sounds pretty fun. Feeling in a post-punk type of mood today. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Monday. How could you not be? The uh, temperature gauge hit 81 at one point today here in Missoula. It was 74 degrees when I was driving in uh, to the studio here at the ESPN MT studio. So maybe we are finally out of it. Maybe the longest winter in some time uh, is finally over. Thanks so much for kicking it with us here on your sunshiny Monday. You're listening to Nuanas now uh, on ESPN Radio. Let's go to Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in a great friend of the show, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. And uh, he was tuning in on the ESPN MT app, and he was creeping on me, asking me what I was looking up, because sometimes when we come back from commercial, I'm on there for like 90 seconds before I start talking to y'all. And uh, so, Riley, I was, I'll was tell you exactly what I was looking up, because it was uh, an entry point to exactly uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about. I was looking up who number 50 is on the Grizz. I think it's Eric Osteen, who's a guy out of Chaminade Prep who spent the last couple years uh, at UCLA. I had a picture of him. That's a good one. And he was the only guy I hadn't identified yet. So, uh, first of all, thanks for being here, man. But uh, what do you know about this guy? Can you tell us anything about him? Well, there is a dynamite drop-in right away. You go down to a deep dive in the roster about (laughs) Eric Osteen here and finding him. Yeah, he kind of stuck in there because we all had the list of five Division I transfers, right? That was kind of what was cemented in all of our heads, doing the prep and kind of updating the team, and he was kind of a late addition. So, you know, kind of a flyer on the wall a little bit, but shoot, you like his measurements at 6'2", and you know if you can play at Chaminade Prop and Chaminade Prep, I should say, and then a little bit of time at UCLA, they like his potential. So that could be kind of a diamond in the rough. I equate it to maybe someone like a Nick Williams that fell through the cracks to the Grizzlies a couple of years ago, and he kind of emerged in the spring game too. So 
all that being said, yeah, well, we're, we're going to cover a little bit of everything uh, with Grizzly football, but I'm certainly enjoying this weather, and I also was going to comment on you kind of were massaging your beard, too, when I was watching on the <laughs> ESPN MP app. So there's a combination of both of those things for my observations for you. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that means I'm thinking really hard. That's how I get my, my brain <laughs> to work. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz. We'll come back to, to Grizz football because I have plenty to ask you about what we saw on Friday night. Uh, but let's start with, because you and I were texting all evening last night just about the Masters. Let's start with John Rahm's victory, because I, I think that you and I, uh, we play a lot of golf together. We talk a lot of golf, not necessarily on the radio. I want to make it a more regular thing, talking about golf here uh, on the radio. But Rom has been right there, but I think that this puts him into a, a new tier, especially considering all the changing that has happened in golf over the last two years. What, what did you think of his ability to sort of hang around, hang around, hang around, and then basically explode to a victory while Brooks Kepka's melting down. Well, I tell you what, it was mighty impressive what he did from start to finish for a couple of different reasons. And we'll, we'll go the small picture first before we kind of cover the big picture. And to me, when you break down the four days of the difference between Rom's draw and Kepka's draw, it was massively different that Rom had to overcome those conditions where Kepka did not at all. I think that played a huge part on Sunday when having to deal with the wind and just some of the elements that came into play. Rom was just steady as ever and everybody else kind of faltered there. So just with the, the microcosm of his four days, there was no slippage outside of the first day. I mean, when you can double bogey the first hole, I'm still waiting for the time, Colt, for the mere you <laughs> could four putt, double bogey, and then still shoot uh, seven under in a round. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if that can ever happen. I, I don't know. But he, he just blew everybody away. And I just thought that it, when we now look at the big picture view of it, he has been the best player in the world for a while. And I just think that we are so caught up in the week-to-week, the month-to-month, that it got overshadowed a little bit just because of two things. If you were watching the West Coast Swing, if you're a diehard golf fan like I was, I mean, he was dominating when they were out there. He won out in Kapalua, the, the first tournament of the year. He was really good on the West Coast Swing. Well, he gets sick during the players as well as the match play, and then everyone overlooked him, talked about Scheffler. And I really think that this kind of cements Rom, and I don't want to put him in the, the Tiger Phil category yet, but the PGA Tour is looking for a defining person, right? They've talked a lot now for the last couple of years. Well, the parody's great. There, there's eight to ten guys that are really dominant. Well, Rom can really step up and kind of be in a class of his own. Yes, the PGA Tour might want Rory to be, but uh, for better or for worse, maybe his time has passed a little bit. I mean, it's 10 Masters now that he's tried to win the career Grand Slam. And I think Rom got the opportunity now at 28. I mean, if you listen to his press conference afterwards, just the reverence for the game, the, the, how respectful he is across the board. I mean, he is the face of the PGA Tour and the face of golf, I think. And, and he's now knocking on the door to be in a category of his own. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining us here on Nuanas Now, talking all things Masters. John Rahm takes home his first Masters title, his second major championship overall. And I do, I think that Rahm is really good for the game, too, because not only has he been, you know, at the very least in contention for the title of best golfer in the world, but often, more often than not over his last couple of years, has been the number one guy uh, in, in the world rankings. But he also has 
sort of an unorthodox swing. I mean, he doesn't really get to the top on the back swing. He comes through so well, though, and the way he uses his hands, his ball striking, so unbelievable. He also you know, doesn't look like Tiger Woods. He looks like more of an everyman. And I thought it was so classic yesterday. Not one, but two sandwiches on the course, walking down the fairway, eating the sandwich on both the front and the back nine. I just think there's little things like that that can just endear him to people. And then, you know, you outlast one of the, well, I guess in this case, two now of the prominent villains in the game of golf, which, by the way, I think the fact that there are villains is great for the game of golf. But Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson are two of the guys leading the charge in terms of the people that uh, the, the, the characters that people are, are resenting for taking the money and running to the live tour. But Rom sort of now could be the hero to those guys' anti-hero and the fact that he outlasted them too. I think it richens the storylines a lot, and I agree with you. I think it's great for golf. It really is, and I think when you talk about Mickelson, Kepka, those guys that were making the charge, that was the storyline that. I mean, you didn't hear the word live all week on the broadcast, and right. I thought it was kind of a sanctuary, and I think that's a, a good topic that we can kind of dive into here is just the split, right, of live, PGA Tour. And we've been talking a ton about it, or at least hearing about it in the media, but this week it didn't seem like there was a feud, at least to me. And I, and I would love if we could have four weeks a year where it's a sanctuary and we don't have to worry about it because it really was about the golf. And even the press conferences from Phil, and Brooks afterwards, you know, they could have really went in and, and pounded their chest and said, hey, you know, th- this is validation for the live tour. And they, they didn't do that. They made it about the golf and they made it about the tournament. And it, it really seemed like the guys enjoyed each other more than I at least expected coming in here. So that was another at least, I don't know, observation of mine throughout the course of the week. But the golf was fantastic. I, I think when you talk about Rom pounding those sandwiches, that, uh, that's relatable. But what's also relatable is hitting your tee shot 90 yards on the final hole when you have a lead. And so he may, he may par somehow, but I thought that was fitting, too, that his drive on the 72nd hole went about 92 yards. <laughs> Unbelievable. One of the pieces of low-hanging fruit that people were jumping on was that part of why Brooks Kepka fell apart is that the Live Tour right now doesn't have a cut and they're only playing 54 holes rather than a weekend cut and 72 holes like you had to play at the Masters. You maybe buy that notion a little bit because Kepka did play so poorly yesterday, uh, final round 75. But then on the opposite side of that, one of the oldest guys in the field and Phil Mickelson shoots a, a Sunday 65. So uh, he's not suffering, at least in this tournament, he wasn't from having a, a, an extra day off during his time with the Live. So uh, which side are we on? Did did, uh, did the Live guys, did, did they suffer at all from the fact that they've only been playing three days a week? Which side do you buy on the Phil side or the Brooks side? Well, here's where I'm going to go with this. Now, I'm going to say that the, the format for the live affected these guys and in a different way it's not the three rounds to four rounds it's the nature of the grind right the grind of a tournament where you are fighting on days one and two in the pga tour to make the cut now on the live tour they don't worry about a cut they get to play three rounds they're going to get paid regardless and if they play bad as an individual maybe their teammates can pick them up and they're still going to make a boatload of money well the nature of the pga tour is so different from that where you're fighting for your life every single round and I think especially when you look at the difference between Phil's round and Brooks's round on Sunday it was a 10 shot difference by the way Phil 65 Brooks 75 it was the grind right the the day four grind of being in the middle of it now I don't want to take anything away from Phil's round but we've seen this over the years Rory McIlroy yet last year 
Spieth has done it plenty of times, and Phil as well, when the pressure's not essentially on you and you are in that final group and you're, say, seven or eight back and you can kind of free swing a little bit more, yeah. those are the guys that have made the push. And so I would say I don't think that the fourth round affected everybody, so to speak, from a stamina standpoint, but I do think it's the grinding nature of having to fight for your life every single round. And, and quite frankly, Coulter Brooks kept it. You can tell he misses that. He misses that kind of grind. And I actually think that was the deciding factor of why Ron was really to outlast him and kind of blew him away yesterday. Right, Corker, voice of the Grizz, joining us here on Nuwana is now talking all things Masters. We're going to talk uh, some Grizz hoops, some Grizz football as well. But two more things on the Masters, Riley. First of all, Kepka coming into the weekend, was blowing the field out of the water. And I kept thinking of all of the different scenarios and all the different narratives that would be coming out of the Masters had Brooks Kepka held on and won the green jacket. He didn't, so we don't have that scenario. But what if Brooks Kepka or one of the other live guys, but I mean, he was the biggest contender. What if a live guy would have won the Masters this year? I think they would have had to absolutely make concessions to the world golf rankings or, and I still think that might be coming culture. I mean, they had three of the top six, right? And, and I think that these majors, just to go back to that point again, these are going to be different to where you have to make sure the top are there. And the only way right now the live players are getting punished is because they're not getting those world golf rankings points. Whereas in two to three years from now, you might not, see some of these big time names because they can't get any more points playing over there that to me would be wrong whether no matter what side you stand on the pga tour and on the live the best players should play at these majors and what i think is that kepka phil and patrick reed especially were the ones that kind of carried the weight and said hey I mean, we need to do something about it. And the way that they went about it this week, too, with not pounding their chest, I think that um, those guys are going to have more consideration down the road. And even as a casual golf fan, I want the best players to play at these majors. And I'm sure you're the same way, too, to watch it. I mean, the tournament still would have been great. And John Rahm would have been a worthy champion. But, you know, if you don't have those 18 live players in there, how much does it water down the field? I mean, to me, it would have. Um, I'm curious to get your take on that, too. I mean, if Brooks Kepka's playing like that, then you got to have him in the Masters. I mean, you need these guys, especially if they're going to play uh, in major championship form for certain. Right, Corkin, voice of the Grizz, joining us here on Nuanas Down, talking all things Masters. All right, last question for you on this before we transition to some Grizz football. You mentioned Rory McIlroy, and Rory certainly, because of his stalwart commitment to the PGA Tour has then now sort of reemerged. He's always been a star, but he was the darling of golf for a while, and then a bunch of other guys sort of had their moments in the sun. And then Rory kind of reemerged, and he was playing. You, know, you mentioned you know he's been going for the career Grand Slam for 10 years now. The Masters is the one he's missing. He was playing better golf coming into the Masters this year, though, than any time in the last nine. That's sort of been the trademark of his career for a really long time is that he's kind of a slow starter, but then by the time you get to midsummer, he so absolutely lights out. But he was playing better early this season than he has at any point in the last decade. And there was a lot of people, including yours truly, that thought Rory McIlroy was absolutely a, a big-time contender, if not the favorite, coming into this tournament. That was not the case at all. He played really, really bad from, for pretty much the duration of his time, and he misses the cut. So uh, where are we at with Rory? I mean, is the, the sort of glimmer of hope that he gave us, is that, 
Is that false hope? Or do we have to move on from from thinking of him as as maybe the the, the king of golf for, for this moment in time? I think that we need to start moving the conversation that he's the king of golf. I still think that he can be a face of golf, but I mean, you go back. I mean, his last major win was 2014, and I right. know that he's been playing really well and he's been playing consistently, but so are eight to 10 other guys. Now I really appreciate the fact that he is a model for the game of golf and he is, he is not afraid to speak his mind of what is right and what he's doing with tiger on this new fun league. That's going to come out here in a little bit. I think that's great as well. But as far as being the king of the PGA tour and golf moving forward, I think we do need to kind of move on until he can prove it again to win in a major. I mean, Phil's 52 years old, and he performed better. I mean, Tiger has won a major more recently than Rory has as well. Now, those two guys in particular, I think, are very interesting comparisons for Rory. Rory's only 33 years old. But we talk about a prime, right? Prime of his golf career. We're probably in the final, what, four to five years of that from a conservative standpoint. And there needs to be one more push for me from Rory McIlroy to to kind of emerge back and to be in that big three, right? The talk all week coming into the Masters was the big three, Rom, Scheffler, McIlroy. I I think it's more of a big two until Rory can prove it again on the big stage because whether it's right, wrong, or a different culture, you get judged in the, the game of golf by how you play at these majors, and Rory just hasn't got it done in nine years. John Rahm, first time Masters champion. We'll maybe talk a little bit more about this later on. Justin Angle, the business angle, coming up later on this week as well. So you still need to schedule, so we'll let you know what day specifically uh, that's coming up. But we'll talk about this uh, with him as well, just in terms of the jockeying for uh, world power in the world of golf now with two competing leagues. Uh, let's talk some Grizz football. You were on the call for SWX Montana Television on Friday night. Before I get into some of my specific questions for you, Riley, uh, just your broad thoughts from what you saw Friday night. You know, I, I went in with a blank slate, and I didn't see as many practices as I had maybe in past springs. And I was just as curious as pretty much everybody else. I'd heard, obviously, about some standouts. And with the new coaching changes, I was curious just to see the flavor of what we've seen. I saw a couple of practices, but what to see on a bigger stage. And quite frankly, Coulter, I thought they took this this spring game more serious than they had maybe the previous five or six that I've seen here at my time as the voice of the Grizz at Montana because it was a crisp performance throughout. I was really impressed as you were, read your great article on Skyline earlier today, and your observations are spot on. The offense, to me, seems drastically different. I think the refresh was absolutely needed, and you can see it. There's a lot of fuel in the fire on the offensive side of the ball. So that is where I'm going to start with uh, not many holes. I know we're going to go through the position groups there. Defense right now, to me, maybe more question marks than the offense, and I think that's really intriguing. We talk about the evolution of, of college football and the evolution of teams each year because of graduation of the transfer portal. And I think the Grizz could be maybe polar opposite than what they've been the last couple of years to where the offense might be the strength and maybe the defense will be coming along from there. But I don't know. It was, it was curious to see. I, I was pretty impressed. It was a crisp spring scrimmage, especially compared to the last couple of years. That's exactly what I led with today, right? Corkin, voice of the Grizz. Uh, Sam Vidlak is the real deal. He is. A, I think that he's a, a high-level talent for the Big Sky Conference. I thought he made five Really impressive throws, five throws that we haven't seen a Grizz quarterback make it in several years, uh, probably since Dalton Sneed was playing for the University of Montana. I also think that the uh, 
The skill position players, uh, there's just a proliferation of them. There's so many guys that are pretty good to really good. And so a lot of options. And I do think the offensive line, with several starters returning, has a chance to be at the very least uh, good and maybe even really good. And that'd be the first time, like Bobby Houck said in hour number one, the first time since 2009 that they've truly had Two deep depth and actually really good players on the offensive line across the board. Now, that said, though, Riley, my biggest question mark is this. From what we saw Friday, Montana's certainly way farther ahead on offense than they are on defense. I think they have some uh, very glaring issues, particularly depth at corner and depth on interior defensive line and uh, manifesting a pass rush. I think those are their biggest uh, three weaknesses right now coming out of the spring game on Friday. But my biggest question mark is if... This Grizz team, their best success lies in them being an offensive-oriented team that tries to line up the scoreboard and, and utilize all this great skill talent that they have. Can they do it? Can they transition from a team that's had a defensive and special teams identity all day long under a coach who's made a 20-plus year career out of those strengths? Can Montana be uh, the opposite identity than what they've been the last couple of years? Can they accept it as like a cumulative program if that uh, it turns out to be the case? A great point, and I can ask, I can counter your question with another question. The identity that they've had the last couple of years, quite frankly, has that been good enough? Because if the answer is no, then, then this is a good pivot for them. I do think that they can change their identity to answer your question. I, I do think that they can morph this into a winning combination to where, now defensively, there's going to be a lot of things that have to come to the table. I, I don't think that it's glaring issues, at least to, to start, where it's going to absolutely hold them back. Just to where, I think at least at the beginning of the season, and we're going to break down the schedule, we'll have plenty of time throughout the summer to do all that, but it's kind of the same as last year, where they're going to have three, four, five games to work out some of the kinks, I would think, before the gauntlet of their schedule hits again, to where I do think that, you know, offensively, they can lead the way, and I think that Brent Pease is really excited about that opportunity, and I think that Sam Vidlak kind of understands that, too, from what Vidlak could do. I mean, his adjusting on the fly was maybe my biggest takeaway, just to and because I thought coming in, Coulter, one of the biggest question marks was, all right, this guy's thrown 15 total passes in a game situation in the last two years. I know he's really talented. What's he going to do with the pass rush, with having to adjust? And he really impressed me there. So I know that was kind of a long-winded answer to it all, but I do think that the Grizz can change their identity, right? It's more of adapt or get left behind. And the Grizz lost too many games because their offense just, quite frankly, was weighing them down the last couple of years that I think might be a refreshing outlook. It's so true, and you and I talked about it. I mean, if you could have taken the 2019 Grizz offense and paired it with the 2021 Grizz defense, uh, now you have a real national championship contender, right? And I also think it's easy to forget that the Grizz, before the pandemic, were actually lighting up the scoreboard. When Dalton Steed was the quarterback and Samari Torrey was setting records, I mean, the Grizz were dropping 70 in playoff games. So uh, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, but there actually has been an iteration of the Grizz under Bobby Houck and most of this coaching staff that actually was offensively oriented. That's the other thing is Coach Houck's teams are always going to play hard and be tough defensively. It's just a matter of do they have enough elite talent to be elite defensively, but they're certainly going to have the effort and the desire, no doubt. So uh, it is easy to forget that uh, not that long ago, Montana actually was winning uh, offensively and with a quarterback-driven system. 
Well, they were, and it was fun to watch. And then all of a sudden, the last two years, and I think maybe it's a little bit unfair, really, to judge the defense based off the last two years, Coulter. I mean, they were historically good the last two seasons. To where if they take a little step back, I don't think it's going to be absolutely detrimental. Now, I'm with you on the concerns on maybe some depth issues. But as far as the front-line starters, at least on the front seven. I mean, to me, I, I love the starting group that they have put together now. I'm with you. Defensive line depth is going to be there. And, and the biggest question marks for me, leaving spring ball and getting ready for the fall, is, is going to be that secondary and where yep. they're going to go with the quarterback spots and, and, and the safety spots, too, with, with Robbie House losing him, the Justin Ford combination. I mean, it's really tough to just plug in pieces right away. I, one guy that we didn't really – get to see, talk about much that, that I think could be a hidden gem here is Ronald Jackson, the mm. safety and the transfer out of Akron. So to me, I don't want to put too many expectations on the young man, but I think he could be an absolute X factor when we're talking about maybe plugging holes in that secondary. But uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, the, the defense just needs to be able to carry the weight a little bit, and I'm right with you on understanding and wondering how much if at all, will the scheme change with Ronnie Bradford being the defensive coordinator? Because we all know that we, we didn't see the full gamut of everything uh, last Friday. We'll probably have to wait to see that until late August, early September. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Like you said, we're going to have plenty of football to talk about, so uh, Riley will be joining us uh, as often as possible here uh, in these upcoming months leading up to the 2023 uh, football season. But I did want to uh, ask you about one other, uh, I guess two other big pieces of news that are both basketball-oriented. First of all, uh, you were the first and I believe the only guy so far uh, in the Treasure State Media Corps here uh, that's caught up with Josh Bannon. And it was a great podcast, very much enjoyed listening to it. You can check it out on Inside the Den podcast that Riley hosts, uh, which is presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, but Bannon was the news of the day a, a couple weeks ago when he declared his intention that he was going to forego his final year with the Grizz basketball team and go pro uh, in Australia. Uh, just your reaction uh, to that news and, and what it means for Bannon, but also what it means for the Grizz program. Well, I, I want to start with Josh first off. I mean, that's the first-class person right there, and I don't think anybody will ever hold it against him. The way that he went about it and, and the fact he got his degree in three years' time, essentially three seasons, a 1,000-point score. I mean, he accomplished a lot. And when you've got the pro ranks there and basically a guaranteed contract, it's really hard to turn down. And that, it, well, quite frankly, was his dream. And he is so calculated and smart that when he came over here to Montana, he had a plan. He was going to be here four years, and unfortunately, COVID kind of got in the way and, and screwed that up, and he all of a sudden had another year of eligibility. So this became a decision point for him, but uh, nothing but Bannon. Now, that's the first area of this. Moving forward for the Grizz, it's kind of back to the drawing board, right, with shaping identity of your team a little bit. Um, no matter what you think of Josh Bannon's role and how it evolved the last couple of years and when the team was at their best, 
it's going to be a massive loss for somebody that was just consistent, 15-9 and nine every single game. You knew that you were going to get that from him. Well, we saw the Grizz, from a strength side of things, change their identity around on and Moody. Well, that's probably going to have to be the case if they're going to commit and go all in with that. I'm really curious. With the day and age of the transfer portal, this will be something, hopefully me and you are recording this segment on a golf course in a couple weeks. And after the transfer portal is all said and done and maybe a couple more additions from the grid, I'm really curious to see. I mean, you've got basically five to six main returners, Moody, Deshaun Thomas, Brandon Whitney, Laluoki, Jackson Knapp, and maybe Josh Vasquez. After that, it's like, okay, you're going to have to fill in some slots again. So definitely a big loss, but uh, – Boy, I, even after sitting down with Josh, too, just very smart, respectful with his decision and everything that went into it. Go check out Riley's great interview with Josh Ben on the Inside the Den podcast. And uh, thanks to Blackfoot Communications for all the support of all the things we do, especially when we collaborate together. Riley, we only got about 45 seconds left with you, uh, but just your, uh, your knee-jerk reaction to Danny Sprinkle to Utah State. Uh-huh. Home run, I, I think, and I think Danny Sprinkle did it absolutely the right way. Uh, you talk about absolutely building up your alma mater, experiencing success, and when you see what was dangling there. I mean, the Mountain West has turned into a legit mid-major league now. That's a huge step up, not only financially, but exposure-wise, too. And I think Danny Sprinkle was ready for the next challenge in his career and uh, did it from a respectful point of view, too. I, I think just a win-win across the board. I'm curious who the Cats are going to get, but... Uh, didn't surprise me at all. I thought Danny Sprinkle was poised for the Mountain West, and uh, congratulations to him. He's the voice of the Grizz. You can find him uh, often here on Nuanas Now. You can also listen to his great podcast, Inside the Den. Riley Corcoran joining us here on Nuanas Now. Riley, thanks for being here, man, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Coulter. Always fun to have Riley on, and I uh, love talking golf with him. He follows it as uh, intensively and as passionately as uh, pretty much anybody I know. So I always love giving his golf takes. And uh, when the Masters and the Grizz spring game overlap, that's a good scenario for everybody involved. Fun radio there uh, with our good buddy Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. What's going on the rest of the week? We get you all set up. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. ESPN Radio. Right after this, we're rolling uh, right into the Seattle Kraken. We are the official affiliates of the Seattle Kraken. And the Kraken play uh, in Arizona against the Phoenix Coyotes tonight. Then they finish up the regular season tomorrow. And then we'll have the play-in game on uh, Wednesday. So uh, looking forward to that. Appreciate them for uh, partnering with us and uh, bringing the NHL hockey on the radio more often than not here uh, these last couple months. Missed anything in today's Nuanas Now? You can always find it on the podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore, your best place to get your blue and gold on game day or any other day. Thanks to those fine sponsors for helping us uh, archive the show each and every day. 
Tomorrow, a uh, standard Tuesday slate. Treasure State Stars, some of the best individual performances from around Montana. we got Free Tagliari, Delhi, and we'll probably talk some track and field as well. We'll see you at 4 p.m. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.